Connection through conversation. Join self-described conversationalist Stacy Heller as she talks with guests about topics and ideas that are sometimes informational, sometimes inspirational, and always entertaining on Stacy Connects. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Stacy Connects. I I want to address for people that know me and that are listening, no, I did not send you an email or a text today asking if you use Amazon and then uh, asking you for a gift certificate or a gift card. Now, that said, you are more than welcome to send me that uh, just because you love me. But no, I did not ask for that. Um, anyway, so welcome to the show and welcome to my guest, Melissa O'Mara. Is it O'Mara? O'Mara? Scarlett O'Hara, Melissa O'Mara. Oh, look at you. Are you related? And by the way, <laughs> if anybody wants to send me a gift card on Amazon, I'm like, yeah. Right? Sure. Exactly. Uh, yeah. She will share her info later in the show and you could send it to her. So uh, it's so annoying when your account gets hacked and the number of texts that I have. I was like, wow, I'm so popular. And no, no, not at all. You're only popular when it's bad news. So that's kind of a bummer. So Melissa is, I have a trend lately of leadership coaches. So my friend and colleague, uh, Taryn Laxo, she is part of a group of leadership coaches and shared that, hey, talk to Stacy. She loves to talk to people and learn and grow. And so... Last week, I had Christine Barth. I've got you this week. I think Mike Edwards is part of your group, if I recall. That is true. And so we're doing a lot of leadership learning, which sort of feels like spring cleaning to me. So (laughs) why not, right? Um, So I'm excited about that. If there are other people out there that are interested in being a guest, reach out to me. Um, I also want to remind people that if you like the show and you can't listen to it each week faithfully, as my mother does. I wonder if she's listening today. She's in Minnesota. My niece just had her second baby, and mom is hanging out with my brother and his wife, Mary, and they are all collectively taking care of Katie and Ryan and the new baby, Ford, and older brother, Wyatt. Such good names. Like, I kind of want to go back in time and rename my children. Oh, right. I have a Brinley. I have a Brinley, a brand new granddaughter who I just said goodbye to again yesterday morning after Easter. Oh, Brinley, Margaret. (laughs) See, like there's something about the naming process. My husband and I used to sit in movie theaters when uh, I was pregnant and we would watch the credits roll and just check out all the names. And then, of course, we went with uh, Anne, William, Grace and Charles. (laughs) like such like classic names, but you know, that's okay. Um, Anyway, back to what I was saying. I get very easily distracted here. If you can't listen each week, then you can subscribe to Stacy connects wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also, if you want to share the show, then you or your friends can text D a M T T to five, five, six, seven, eight, and you will get show details, not only about Stacy connects, but about my other show on Kixie 880, which is called Don't Ask Me to Talk. So a uh, reminder, if you want to call into the show live, then you can call 425-373-5527. 
And then you can also text or call 475-999-2726 and leave a message um, or connect with me through stacyconnects.com. Okay. Got all the business out of the way. So the brain dump, the, the weekly brain dump. Um, this brain feels like a ship at sea sometimes with like not a full load of cargo and everything is kind of like rolling around in the boat because um, there's a lot in there and it's not all tied down. So uh, I try to organize it. One, a kidney update. For those of you that listen faithfully to the show, you know that a couple weeks ago in an episode that's called You Complete Me, I had uh, two guests on, uh, Maria Bartlow and Monica Franks, and they are in search of a kidney for their son and brother, respectively. And while they were here in the studio, I was filling out the paperwork to see if I might be a match. I made it through the paperwork round, which I've joked is like getting your name right on the SAT. So, woohoo. And then I made it through the sanity check round, which is sort of funny. Um, you know, she basically said, I'm paraphrasing, you may be uh, the most sane person I know, which is crazy. Um, so, you know, whatever, it's fine. And this morning I was supposed to go in for blood work to see if I can make it to the next round. And I went to the Safeway in Issaquah and all the lights were out. It was so weird going into a grocery store and seeing complete darkness at 845 in the morning. And I was bummed because, one, people were people were wearing headlamps that were working there. And that's just jarring. I was like, is this what the zombie apocalypse is going to be like? Um <laughs> Which was not as um, it wasn't as satisfying or as comforting as I thought it would be to be surrounded by all of that food and those items. I was like, this is just weird. Um, and not only that, but the woman would not draw my blood in the dark. And so now I have to fast a second time. And I don't know about you, Melissa, you, Eric, anybody out in the world there's something about being told that you can't eat for 12 hours that makes you ravenous. True. Right? Yes. <laughs> I mean, it Absolutely. was like last night I was like looking at the clock and it's like I felt the need to like feed my face up until the last minute. And I was like, <laughs> I can only have water. <laughs> no so, coffee? No coffee? Just water. Oh. Water. And I did have a panic attack of sorts uh, because we had asparagus with our dinner last night. And I thought, and I have to do a blood sample and a urine sample. And I was like, oh, is my pee going to smell? So <laughs> maybe it's the universe's way of giving me a pass on that so that I didn't have smelly pee. So you're welcome. There's no such thing as TMI on the show. But, um, it, but at least you you knew that that was going to happen so you could plan accordingly, stuff your face to the last moment. Yes. I think the worst is when you have a pet that they give you the instructions for and you're like, eat you fool, don't you understand? <laughs> yes, it's true. <laughs> you're going to be it's true. hungry for, you know, 12 hours or whatever and, you know, they don't know or care. So, no, yeah. and same with kids. <laughs> you're like... Don't you understand? You're basically going to be starving. Right. Until after that deadline, then they're all like, oh, feed me, feed me. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's it's weird how when something is 
potentially taken away from you how you need it that much more. I went out and bought myself like this big breakfast this morning as if I hadn't eaten in a week. I mean, it's really sort of depressing, actually. Um, Easter weekend was super fun. I asked for my family to come home. And that's no small feat considering we've got Annie is local in Redmond, but she lives on her own. And then Will is in California, as is Charlie. And then we've got Grace in Connecticut. So bringing everybody home for Easter is uh, quite the process and yet worth every amount of energy and every penny spent. And to be with the whole family is on the highest of all holy days is truly something to say hallelujah about. Um, And we went, we did drag three of the four kids. Uh, Once you move out, you sort of are autonomous and you don't have to do like the we're going to have fun darn it expeditions anymore and yeah. so we took the kids to Skagit Valley to see the tulips I feel like you can only say Skagit by saying it in a weird way Skagit Valley um, to see the tulips and it was beautiful totally beautiful and now we've seen it <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I have to go back um, And then the last thing that was giving me a chuckle this week is Pete has been working from home basically throughout the whole pandemic. He recently has switched jobs. That's right. He left that behemoth called Microsoft and is now working for ServiceNow. And he's officially remote. And I really love when he works upstairs in what's normally my space. And I'm hearing him from down the hall talking with coworkers and employees, and I am then deliberately misunderstanding his conversations so that I later follow up and I'm like, oh, so you're a flat organization? Like, oh, so does that mean that everything falls flat? Like, you know, what are you talking about? And <laughs> it drives him insane. And yeah, he can't stand it. And yet I will say it's a weird way to engage and sort of uh, reignite conversation about work. When you've been married for almost 30 years, it can get a little boring. And so hearing these conversations and hearing some of the idiosyncrasies, you know, I today uh, was going to tease him and I he doesn't usually listen to the show. So I'm hoping he's not today. Uh I feel like I could play a drinking game when he's in a meeting and I hear him say, right, right. Am I right? You know, like, (laughs) you know, those things that I say all the time and it's okay, but then I hear someone else do it and suddenly it's weird. So, so Peach snaps. Exactly. Exactly. You know, right. It's his way of, you know, are we in agreement? And it's more (laughs) casual than that. Um, Okay. So. My Stasiism of the week. This one I ran into a long time ago and I was cleaning out pictures. It is one of my goals for the month of April to go through pictures and sort of put them in hair ties, if you will, or albums and then put them into my Dropbox or the cloud or something. And I collected all of my um I was looking through all of my quotes and um oh uh oh Pete's listening. He just sent me a text. <laughs> Hi, Pete. Hi, Pete. But am I right? I'm right. Right? 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 
<laughs> we'll be talking about this on date night later, I'm sure. So the quote that I found, and I'm paraphrasing, is that people are more interested in where you're going and where you've been. They are not hung up on where you are right now. And so why should you be? We often get so stuck in where we are, feeling like we're stuck or feeling like we're not in the right place or, you know, we're in a a dip or, you know, something isn't perfect or it's not exactly where we want to be. And we forget that it really is more interesting to to have your origin story and to talk about what you have been doing or have done and what your goals are and where you intend to go. And there's something freeing about this idea of you know, let it go that you're not you're not in the past anymore and you're headed towards the future. So, you know, let it go. In the words of is it Elsa? Is Elsa the one that's saying let it go? I think yeah. It, yeah. I think so. Let it go. Uh oh, Pete just said, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Okay. Well, let's just try to cheer up Pete for the rest of the episode. Uh and I have a feeling that Melissa will be able to help me with that. And uh you talk a lot about learning and collaboration, and so I'm excited to talk about that with you. Let's take a quick break and then when we come back. We're going to chat with Melissa O'Mara, as in, nope, Scarlett O'Hara. Yeah, I did it. O'Hara. 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 Oh, my God. Tomato, tomato. We'll be right back. (laughs) Stacey Connects. It's not just my business. It's my superpower. Whether you need the right tone and messaging for a new venture or you've plateaued with your current one, I can help. I connect clients with themselves and their potential. Then I identify unique solutions that translate your brand into messaging that connects your target audience with your business. Go to stacyconnects.com to connect with me and your messaging. Talk 1150, local talk for the body, mind, and soul. Welcome back to Stacey Connects. During the break, we were discussing the uh, Omara O'Hara. <laughs> Omara. O'Hara. O'Hara. Um, and I was saying that I grew up with mom saying tomato and would correct me if I said tomato. And then Melissa asked the question, do you say aunt? Do you have an Aunt Rosie or an Aunt Rosie? Right. And I grew up with an Aunt Rosie. Peach grew up with an Aunt Rosie. And I loved your comment. It's tough to be in a mixed marriage. (laughs) (laughs) It's a thing. It's a thing. So uh, it really all comes down to then uh, creating a safe environment for learning and practice. (laughs) Yes, it does. there's, There's that safety thing. Boy, we had a conversation about safety in this coaches group that you mentioned today. Uh-huh. Well, one, one of the things that um, I, I do, I don't do a lot of prep for this show. I've talked about this a lot. Uh, there are a lot of shows that send out kind of a pre-show questionnaire or they have, you know, like, what are we going to talk about or whatever it is. I'm a, I am very much driven by gut and instinct and, you know, 
somebody signs up to be on the show and pretty much the day of the show, I'm like, let me look them up and see what they do. And I'm going to follow whatever gut vibe I have. And when I went to your website, Leaders Collab, I was really struck by the word, and Eric knows I love myself a funky word, the collaboratory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's the whole edutainment thing that <laughs> I really enjoy watching Eric try to say on our other show. And he's just like, I hate this word. This is a silly word. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. tell me about the collaboratory concept. Yeah. So the, the, the leader's collab, co-lab, um, was named that way because I really... I came from big companies. I like to collaborate. I like to work with other people. And I do believe that we are here to learn. And, you know, during our lifetimes, one of the biggest things we're here to do is to learn. And so the collab, the collaboratory is a place where people um, can go to learn, but also to practice and notice what kinds of results that they're getting. I think we get the most learning when we're working together with other humans. And uh, so the, the leaders collab came out of that idea of, uh, you know, uh, creating a laboratory for learning and um, a laboratory where you actually practice things that are practice new things together and, and learn together collectively um, how to work better together. Basically. I think that that's, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of my work is just helping people to work better together and navigate differences, mixed marriages, Mixed metaphors, whatever. <laughs> well, I mean, and I love myself a mixed metaphor. Uh, and the whole idea of, you know, that working together and really recognizing that it's one about knowing thyself and being okay with who you are and sharing that with other people so that, you know, it goes into that safe environment that you're talking about that. You need to recognize what your skills are and maybe the things that are not in your zone of genius and Mm -hmm. be able to articulate it and work with other people so that ultimately it does become this collective process and that you're not uh, somehow judged or shamed because, oh, you can't do this. There's somebody else that can maybe do that or that practice that you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I did come from these large organizations, IBM, Schneider Electric, and I worked in, um, in the innovation areas in those large organizations before I left to start the Leaders Collab in 2014. And I was usually involved in innovation kinds of projects with um, that where people from different parts of the organization that were measured differently in terms of what, you know, what was success and that had, you know, they, some just let's take simple IBM hardware, software, and services. Mm-hmm. Okay. Melissa, you're going to sell client server solutions. Well, what's that? <laughs> well, it means you're going to sell across these silos inside of the organization. Um, you're going to create from our truckload of stuff, mm-hmm. you know, solutions, you're going to sell solutions that help customers solve problems. So a lot of my work was around bringing together people that spoke different languages in, in a sense that understood different aspects of even IBM's business at the time. Now, this is early. This was like just Lou Gerstner time. Like, you know, can we make an elephant dance kind of days? 
Yep. Um, the old days. Um, But this is a, I mean, this is interestingly, um, Hey Pete, if you're listening, you should call in because this is the space that Pete is in and he does training, development, learning, uh, strategies. And often, um, you know, he's working with ServiceNow and they are, uh, you know, this organization that is bringing a whole bunch of different things together. And so his philosophy is about that when he talks about learning and that you need to accept the way that an engineer is going to speak. Their dialogue is going to be much different than the people that are in potentially marketing or are writing the content for these training courses or whatever it is, and that everyone has a specific language and how to bring it all together so that you have then, as you say, this product that you can sell to potential clients. And one is not better than the other. They're just different. They're different. Um, And one of the things that I'll often, when I go in to work, and I have actually done some work with service now a few years ago, which is really interesting, but I don't think I know Pete, especially since he just moved over. He's like one month old. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, uh, so I, I know a little bit, not a lot about service now, but you know, tech companies. Um, so one of the the pictures, just take, take a picture of this. You've maybe you've seen this, but make a picture in your mind, everybody that's listening, you know, um, of an elephant in a room and, you know, eight or 10 people with blindfolds on touching different parts of the elephant describing what's in the middle of the room, right? Mm. Oh, it's a tree trunk. Oh, it's a rope, you know? Oh, and it's a fan. You know, they're touching the ear, the, right, the sure. leg, the tail. And that is such a reality oftentimes in the business world because we only can see and speak um, what we from our own perspective, from our own lens of knowing, mm-hmm. our own lens of re- our own view of reality. And in fact, what, you know, I didn't even realize this when I first looked at this picture and you can, you know, you can Google, you'll see it, you know, um, blindfolded men with elephant, you know, you, <laughs> you can get a picture of it. And um, it's based on a fable, but then I thought about it even more. We are, not only are we um, seeing things from our own perspective, we're interpreting the facts prior to speaking the facts. Mm-hmm. So it's not a, think of an elephant's leg, right? It's not a um, smooth rounded surface, um, oh, a rounded, it's not a, a, a rounded thing like a tree t- trunk, but with more like more of a skin feel, more like a reptile feel. It's not that, they don't say that. No, it's a tree trunk. Right. Or they don't say, you know, so we interpret the facts based on our own lens of what we think it is, we speak. So we speak actually an interpretation of the facts oftentimes. So that makes it even more confusing. Yeah, I'm really guilty of that. Like I come to, you know, and and in a little bit, I think that's because of my intuitive abilities. And so, you know, there's for people that believe in these things or are just curious, there's different kinds of clairs, right? There's clairvoyance, there's clairsentience, there's claircognizance. So I have claircognizance. So I have a knowing. And that is fine when I'm channeling information. When I'm not, I tend to then think highly of myself and that I can then just have the knowing without the experiencing or the collecting of data and the, you know, that either literal feeling or the, you know, feeling how I'm reacting to something. And it's one thing for me to 
to know and come to a conclusion when I'm, again, sort of downloading information. That's because it's not me. I'm just not that smart. I am I am basically a conduit. When it's other things, I could see myself totally being like, oh, yeah, that's a tree trunk. And, you know, and then someone's like, OK, but normally a tree doesn't have like doesn't feel like skin. And by the way, you know, the wrinkles on it are horizontal, not vertical normally. Right. And I'd be like, yeah, I don't. What's your point? So it's, you know, it's a tree wearing wearing pantyhose like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that gets in the way of 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 good communications. And it also in today's complex world, VUCA world, I'm sure that many of you have heard this VUCA concept, volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. I don't know that world. Yeah, you do know that one, right? No, I don't. Oh, VUCA. It's uh, it comes from the U.S. military. So it's, and v, it's, so it's what is it again? V, yep. volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. Oh, so we have a VUCA world of accelerating complex, you know, complexity, uh, uncertain, you know, so much uncertainty. And um, in today's world of work, and just in the world, in the world that we all live in, with that much uncertainty and complexity uh, around, it's very hard to actually have all the facts. It's almost impossible, as a matter of fact, to even interpret what's a fact from a story. So we have to really uh, I find we really have to work at this. I mean, think about the political climate. Um, think about vaccines. Um, how, how often are we certain that our way, our righteous way is the, you know, the right way? And instead we create, um, you know, un- unnecessary, I think sometimes um, conflict and complexity. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, that that piece of uh you know, this is, it seems like where the practice comes in and the safety comes in mm-hmm. and, and then, you know, acquiring then the skills that you're talking about so that you can have an understanding of this idea yeah. that the world is volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous. And, and you can operate and be a, be a leader in spite of that, that you can sort of embrace the reality of constant change. Right. And um, and understand what's my, you know, what you know, so what do I bring into this? What are my strengths and how, you know, the self-awareness, you know, is, is crucial. I know what my strengths are like you're you have Claire cognizance, cognizance. Right. So that's one of your gifts and talents. And when that channels open, this is something that you bring that's very unique and special that your team if you were working in a team setting, would you would want to know about and 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 really have a, the capacity to respect that unique thing that you bring in, mm-hmm. so they listen in a certain way. We all have those unique strengths. We also have unique blind spots. So one of the tools that I bring into the workplace is um, I, I love to use the integrative enneagram. Um, I know there's a lot of enneagram fans out there. Um, the integrative enneagram um, is a an assessment from um, a South African company, um, in Integrative Enneagram Solutions. And it's just such a great tool to help people understand themselves, like look in the mirror. It's a way of, you get this 40 page report that, that it's like, people say it's scary accurate. It's like, how did those 25 minutes of answering questions, you know, spit this sucker out. Mm-hmm. And so it's scary accurate. 
and the thing about the Enneagram is it's like an iceberg, right? The, the, you can see behavior, what people do at the top above the waterline of the iceberg. You can see their physical characteristics. You can see their behaviors. You can see lots of things, but most of the icebergs under the waterline. Sure. And so most of the things that cause us to be the way we are or to say what we say or to see what we see is actually under the waterline. And there are things like core motives, core fears, um, and uh, values and all these things that, of course, in the coaching world, it's really common that that's part of the work that I would say all good coaches do mm-hmm. is we really help people to understand what's what their own iceberg looks like, but right. also understand that if they're an iceberg and full of all this complexity and, you know, hidden strengths, hidden fears, blind spots, well, guess what? So is John over there and Mary over there as an iceberg and, you know. Stacey's an iceberg. And to the degree that we can become aware of ourselves and then aware of the impact we're having in the system. So I'm a real fan of systems thinking, systems leadership. And human systems are you know, the team that you're part of. The human system, when you're working together, Um, I would say in the innovation space or to make a change happen or an implementation or whatever your job is, even just answering customer calls, understanding those human dynamics in that human system is crucial to success. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. This, this reminds me of the concept of the ladder of inference Mm -hmm. and that when you come kind of loaded for bear uh, to something and you get a text from someone and, you know, the response is, you know, K. Well, for some people, if there's not any history there, or as you say, what's below the tip of the iceberg, right? And they don't take any issue with that. That's not a trigger point for them. It's fine, whatever. For somebody that has a story around communication and all they're getting is a, a K or, you know, the communication seems curt, then they climb the ladder of inference very quickly and they fill in this whole story about the you're not listening, you're being curt, you are not taking the time to, you know, give me a proper response, blah, 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 all based on what's happening below the surface. And it may not have anything. Right. Right. That that whole ladder of inference is this idea of... uh, you know, the stories that you tell yourself, these narratives, and they're not healthy and they're not true. And I've learned, I've I've gotten better about when I start to climb the ladder of inference. Before I get too high, I try to remind myself that this is my story. And so I'll ask the question then, so, okay, so this is the story I'm starting to tell myself. Good, good. And good language. Thank you. And, you know, is there any validity to this or is this all me? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and whomever I'm speaking with may be like, no, you're totally dead on. <laughs> or <laughs> they may say, you know, I have no idea what you're talking about. That is all you. At which point I can then try to sort of deflate and come down and, and not be not have that puffer fish reaction that's so like. Yeah. You're the only one that does that. Right. (laughs) So we all do that. Right. We all, um, without even being conscious of it, the human brain is wired to look for 
um, danger in some way. We're, we're wired to look for the thing that could be a dig or a, you know, fear, you know, and we're, so we go immediately to fight, flight or freeze mm -hmm. so quick, you know, that we don't even realize we're doing it. So yeah, by realizing that, oh, wait a minute, I'm starting to tell a story um, to myself about these, this, this text that I just got, or this email, there's the tone of that email. Can you imagine which, you know, and totally. we really cause ourselves to just do this spiraling, you know, out of control. Our, we, we're, our emotions can sometimes um, really hijack us. It's called the amygdala hijack. And uh, we want to do what you're doing and be aware. Oh, wait a minute. I'm telling a story. Mm -hmm. I don't actually know for sure what was intended by that K or that email or that look. Right. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that's huge. That's a huge step. The self-awareness, this almost like this mini pause, deep breath. Mm -hmm. Right. Because you can actually calm your brain just with one or two deep breaths and say, Whew. Right. Pause. And yeah. not do the uh, the reaction. It's sort of the the important differentiation between there's action and there's reaction. Yeah. And so we so often just react, whereas if we took that deep breath or two, then our next step would be a deliberate action. Yeah. It's funny you taught you. So first of all, don't go to my website. It's terrible. I don't ever use it, <laughs> but you did. And that's fine. <laughs> and it is still the name of my company. And that's great. I mean, most of the work that I do to connect with clients today is on LinkedIn. So I'm Melissa O'Meara on LinkedIn. Luckily, I grabbed that, you know, a couple of decades ago. So, you know, there you go. but, um, but the thing is on LinkedIn. So what I'm really about right now is, is, is change that matters. What, how do we how do we, you know, I, we spend so much time working, right? You know, 40 hours a week, minimum, usually for most of us, yep. 40 years, oftentimes. And how can we be doing the work that matters to us? How can our job, our employment be a platform for the kind of change, the kind of world um, that we want to create, as opposed to just work is work. You know, um, and, and I would propose to you that there's a lot of really important and good work to be done for everybody. Mm -hmm. So that's what I am really longing to work with people on. And I'm particularly interested in these big, hairy, audacious goals and big, hairy problems that we, we face as society. So I, I mentioned I'm, I, like systems thinking systems leadership, systems level change. How do we work inside of organizations, big behemoth companies, mm -hmm. oftentimes, or small startups? How do we actually um, do work that matters to us? And if we're not, and I would propose to you, this is why the great resignation is happening. Um, the great reset, the great, there's so many names for it now. Mm -hmm. um, it has to do with the fact that during the pandemic, we realized you know, this is really not okay with me anymore. I'm kind of not, I don't want to do this work in a way that's not meaningful. Uh, or I don't want to go back to the office in the way it was because the way it was really wasn't that good. Um, 
And I think a lot of people are having this, you know, sort of this wake up call, this search for meaning that combination of life threatening <laughs> pandemic illness yep. and, um, and just change forced upon you can have. So I'm really around helping individuals and teams figure out what their bigger game is in life and, and what's ch- the change that matters to them and helping people. It doesn't matter if you've been working for three years, 20 years or 40 years, if you still feel like there's something in you that you feel called to do more of in your work to say yes to, or you just know, you don't know what you want to say yes to, but you know that this is not it. That's I love working with people like that. Well, and what's interesting is this is the show that uh, Pete is listening to. So hopefully still Uh now I'm, now I'm okay with them listening to it because this reminds me of him. So, you know, he's got another 10 years or so in his career and working for the behemoth that is Microsoft. Great company has been really good to him. Prior to that, he's always worked for bigger corporations, you know, Accenture and Sony and GE and really sort of a cog in the wheel and then had uh, an opportunity to go to a company that in comparison you know, when I think small company, I'm like, oh, like me. No, a small company in his mind is like, we only have 13,000 employees. I'm like, that's not small. Uh, but for <laughs> him, that sounds, you know, that seems very small. And to get to build something, it's really interesting to see his, I use this phrase a lot when you find what you really are called to do, his tail wag again. And <laughs> to not have to be fixing someone else's ship and plugging the holes and doing what you need to do to make it not only float, but to sail. But instead you get to be the shipbuilder and take all of the information and, and get to know people and create something with everything that you've learned. And that's such a cool thing to see him go through because that is then impacting his relationship with, the kids with me I, he's joking that he's now become like the the movie i think it was with jim carrey like the yes man where <laughs> you know he's like i'm saying yes to things like yes let's go do this yes let's go do that and you know it it shows how they do overlap work and personal things absolutely overlap absolutely they do i mean uh, that the uh, concept of coaching is that you put, coach the whole person because you can't just automatically, you know, you, you land at 8.30, you know, a.m. on your Zoom call and suddenly you're a new, different person and that, you know, no, we're, we, we have all the baggage behind us. And yeah, so there's so much here that's really fascinating. And I've been a student of change and evolution inside of organizations for quite a long time. Um, and wake up calls. And, and for a lot of people, you know, I'm so happy for your husband, for Pete, you know, that he's, I don't know what caused it. You know, I don't know if there was a catalytic moment, if there was, you know, what it was. They found him. (laughs) They found him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, sometimes, you know, how many of us, you know, you mentioned LinkedIn and that that's where you connect with a lot of people. And so many of us become complacent and we don't check LinkedIn or take advantage of these things. And, you know, I think somebody had reached out on LinkedIn and they also emailed and they also called and his head was so into what he was doing that he didn't respond. It was when they texted him Mm. and 
Ding, 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 ding. Right. And the interesting thing is, talk about that, you know, not to make it about me, but like, hello. Uh, The minute he came out of his office and said, you know, oh, this is so weird. I got a text from a recruiter and I in my head was like, oh, he's going to go work. This is going to be a new job for him. And, you know, I can't say that out loud because then, you know, I don't want to influence in any way. And then, you know, a couple months down the road. And he ends up making this this decision. And yeah. it's that whole being seen thing. And oh yeah. And then not only being seen, but then responding to that. Yeah, you have to be open to it. And I call it, you know, we we, we were on the hamster wheel. You call it being a cog in the wheel, you know. Um, but we don't even realize how on autopilot we are. And that doesn't mean it's comfortable, but we're living inside of these comfort zones, these automatic, automatic ways of showing up uh, at work. Um, We followed the rules. Most of us, you know, we did the, we we did the whatever, four years of college, we, the internship, whatever, however we got there, we got there. Mm -hmm. And because it was what we were supposed to do, we were following the rules. And then maybe we had the seven-year work itch at one point, but many of us have just accepted that work is work and it's not personal and this is how I make my money and this is how I pay for our vacations or pay for my my child's college. But think about it, really. I mean, I tell, think about it, really. Is that why you're here? Right. Is that why you're on this planet at this time with all this stuff that's happening in the world right now? What's your legacy going to be? Right. What do you actually feel called to do? What would make your tail wag, right? Um, and and so a lot of my work is actually activating the head, heart, and gut. We work so much from our heads and our and and then automatic, you know, sort of gut reaction. I've got to do do do. We have to tap in to the thing that connects the head and the gut. You know that heart that emotion, energy in motion. If we pay attention, what do we act? What actually grabs us, you know? Oh yeah. And we've shut it down so much because it's also vulnerable. Like I don't want, I don't dare want that because I know I can't have it. Right. Um, in the, in the bigger game model that I use a lot, it's an, I think it's going to show up backwards, but it's a nine square tic-tac-toe board. That's more like twister. Okay. The top the top layer in the middle of the top layer is comfort zones, hunger in the middle and compelling purpose. And this is the activation layer of playing a bigger game. Hunger is this visceral wanting that's not like, well, what are the business needs? You know, that's what we learned. I, I did programming for a while. <laughs> I was an engineer and then I went into Anderson Consulting, which was became Accenture. And, you know, what are the business needs? You know, let's be very logical. And that's good. And there's more than that. So what do you really want in your heart of hearts? And how can you tap into that? And that's actually what I I do with teams because I don't think that we resist change. I know, I think that that's the the biggest partial truth. What we actually resist is the change that's told to us, done to us, expected of us that we don't have a say in. Oh, I love that. Think about that, right? Right. We all want things to be different. We want things to be different at home, at work, between you know our some our, our relationships, our most challenging relationships. We want things to be different. 
desperately in many cases, like yeah. it, it eats at us. And so we want change. We might not know exactly what that change is because we don't take the time to, uh, to, to explore it because it's uncomfortable. It's more comfortable to shove that feeling under the rug and just, you know, go to the basketball game on Saturday right. or. Right. It's inconvenient. Know. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, and it's, it's like I'm confronting my own discomfort. Yeah. Yeah. I love with, that. I mean, I know, hate that, and, but and I love that. <laughs> it's a bold action. And that's the middle of this model. The bigger game model is bold action, right? This layer is the calibration. How bold do you go? You know, how do you assess? Am I where I want to be? Just the last, just the facts, Jack, just the brain, you know, the, the, the facts. What's happening in my world right now? How's it going for me? And it, it is a bold action to assess your hunger, to say, well, actually, how am I feeling? To assess how am I feeling about my work, about my company, about the impact I'm having in my company. And a lot of times we don't do that unless something hits us from the side and, and, and has us get like, like what happened in my life was one of the things that happened in my life was that my husband was diagnosed with, with cancer Mm -hmm. in 2003. And I was pregnant with my third child and it was like, you know, right. And, and so I don't want people to wait for something to come in from the side to wake them up. Oh, right. Absolutely. And, and having a third child, by the way, is enough of a wake up. And then on top of it, you know, you have sort of the epitome, talk about mixed metaphors of the beginning of a life and confronting like mortality at the same time. And, you know, and I love what you're talking about with the great resignation and this reset and that that is essentially what has happened. People have this opportunity for a new thing and they're kind of facing the mortality piece. Interesting. Yeah, the, the mortality piece, the, you know, there's three, anybody that's listening, grab a piece of paper and just write down these questions. Um, what do I want more of in my life? It's go, what's going well that actually gives me energy that I want. I want more of that in my life. Like pay attention. That's hunger. What in your life are you saying? No, that is not okay with me. No, not that. It doesn't mean we know what we want, but we do very much know what we don't want. Mm-hmm. And that's usually quite often the biggest doorway into playing a bigger game is to really be honest with what's not okay. Yep. And then the third is what's missing entirely. Hardest of the three hungers to access in my view, in my experience and working with people, what's missing? I don't know. I'm looking, I'm going to the fridge. I'm hungry, but I don't know what I want. <laughs> You know, how often have you felt that, right? Yeah, uh, this morning and I couldn't eat. Um, I want to take a like a really, really quick break here. And then when we come back, we'll we'll continue because we only have like 10 minutes left in the show, if that. So let's take a quick break and then we will be back with Melissa O'Mara. Stacey Connects. It's not just my business. It's my superpower. Whether you need the right tone and messaging for a new venture or you've plateaued with your current one, I can help. I connect clients with themselves and their potential. 
Then I identify unique solutions that translate your brand into messaging that connects your target audience with your business. Go to stacyconnects.com to connect with me and your messaging. Alternative Talk 1150, the talk of the sound. Welcome back to Stacey Connects. I am joined today by leadership coach Melissa O'Mara, finally getting it right. Um, So we have been talking about change, and that is something that you have talked a lot about that, that that has been really at the forefront of your coaching since you started, and that really with the change that we have collectively and globally experienced in the past couple of years— this must be a time that is really ripe for you as a coach then. It is. And it's also caused me to think much more deeply about what is the work that is the best use of me right now, the best use of me and my experience and talents, because I'm in that sort of final, you know, maybe decade, or I don't know if I'll ever actually retire or not. Um, But I want I'm in the legacy space. I'm really thinking about what matters most right now. And what matters most right now to me is uh, I'm looking at not the seventh generation. I'm I'm really looking at, I have a granddaughter that was born two months ago. Um, Congratulations. Yeah. uh, She's adorable. And um, my daughter, Kelsey, um, my oldest and um, the mother of Brinley, Margaret, um, in 2006, I saw an inconvenient truth with Kelsey mm. and my whole family. Um, and it was, it was, um, I hadn't seen it yet. So when we walked out, she was 12 years old. We were walking up the, the aisle of this tiny little artsy theater. Cause that's the only place where they showed that movie. Um, at least in our town. And I said, so what did you think Kelsey? And she said, you know what, mom, I don't know if I want to have kids. Mm-hmm. And that was also a sideways wake up call. That was three years after her dad had been diagnosed with cancer. He didn't make it. He, he's, he, he, he made it. Um, and three years later that happened and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I said, you know, luckily you don't have to make that decision right now, Kelsey, Mm -hmm. but really you need to know that a lot of smart people are working on this, including me. So I began to work much more consciously on what, would a sustainable future look like? What was innovation that mattered in IBM? So one of IBM's three values, innovation that matters to IBM, our clients in the world. And I began to steer my ship inside of the organization. I became a, a change maker, an intrapreneur. And I just want to say right now to all of you people that are out there that are working inside of organizations, you can be that intrapreneur. You can be a change maker, a change. And there's lots of different kinds of change makers. You can be uh, the kind of person that's nurturing and births the change that people want by being a really great listener. Um, you can be the person that's stirring the pot and saying, hey, I don't think things are okay, actually. That's you really need to do something. Yeah. There's all kinds of change personalities, change personas. And so what I'm doing now, I, I made a decision at the end of um, 2021 that I needed to 
turn up my own hunger again back into the sustainability space. So what I did is I launched a, a, a program for corporate change makers, conscious corporate change makers. And for free, every Monday at noon Eastern, I run a LinkedIn, um, well, it's actually a Zoom. It's a, I advertise it on LinkedIn, but it's a it's a Zoom call. And I have a community of conscious change makers that show up uh, every Monday and I have them hone in on their sense of purpose. We do a little bit of systems leadership, something, training, talking, you know, all kinds of different things in the middle. And at the end, every week, I have them really contemplate what's one bold action you're going to take towards your bigger game this week. The goal. So every Monday, the Monday power up. I love that. It's the I noticed on your on your, as you said, your bingo or your twister board. Then there's that gulp, I think it said. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, you know, it's kind of like bungee jumping into your purpose. Yes. The gulp is sort of that moment of, holy crap, I'm actually going to do this. <laughs> you know, top of the roller coaster mix of fear and excitement. Like, <sighs> Wow. Like I can imagine that you, your, your husband had a moment of that when he actually right before or right as he accepted or right after, I don't know, he accepted the new job. Yep. Absolutely. It was like, oh my gosh, now what? You know, I caught a, I caught a tiger by the tail. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, you're playing a bigger game and you're, that's compelling. It's really important that it's not just a harder game or a more prestigious, but it's something that you feel compelled personally to do and become, and that it will grow you. I'm all about learning. And so the bottom layer of that bigger game model has three squares, this sustainability of the player, that's you and the game itself that you're playing so that it's not an ego game. It, it could go on without you if you design it well, but also you're not, it's not a burnout game. We have a lot of burnout games going on these days. Oh yeah. In the middle is allies. You cannot play a bigger game alone. It might be a big game. It might be an important game. You could write a book all by yourself in theory, but a bigger game is stretching beyond your capacity and you need help. You need allies. And then on the lower right part of that model, which you can find at biggergame.com, my friend Rick Tamlin um, helped co-created that model. Lower right is investment. Investment. What do I need to create? New skills a new business model, a new who knows what in in order to play this game, to become the person I need to become, to create the structures I need to create in order to play that game. So I'm not sure what your, your husband's name is. Pete. Rick. Pete. I'm not sure what, you know, sort of, I'm sure he made, he's making all kinds of investments to play this bigger game at this new company. He's, he's learning so much. He's growing so much. I, I can only imagine even oh, though yeah. he has had this huge career, right? Already. Yep. And so and, good for him. Yeah. I mean, it's exciting. And and to see him feel uh, really excited and kind of young, dare I say, I mean, you know, not that he's old, but, you know, to see that, that young part of him. So anyway, okay, we're out of time already. So thank you so much, Melissa. How can people get in touch with you? Best way really is to go to LinkedIn and from LinkedIn instead, you know, kind of go to my contact info. And so you can just reach out to me, you know, text me, whatever on LinkedIn, or there's a a link to my link tree, which I think is a super coolest little app. So link tree, um, 
Melissa O'Meara's Underbar TLC. But you'll see that on LinkedIn. That's the best way to find me. Perfect. Thank you so much for being my guest. I have tons of ideas that I want to share with you offline. Uh, thank you to Eric, as always. And next week, is uh, my guest is Mike Edwards. Stay connected, everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely.